This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 394, recorded on March 14th. Happy Pi Day to you, by the way, 2019. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a Mike Weger. I thought the weather was changing for a moment. We saw some sunshine, and then, no. I think Omaha's it's snowing. bipolar. We can't decide what we want to do. Do you want to be, you know, Antarctica? Do you want to be decently okay? All the snow, it's like melting, then it's not. The problem here, though, Jim, is, you know, we start, we melt during the day, then it freezes at night, and we have ice problems in the morning. It's it's ridiculous. Just it's choose just one true. or the other, Omaha. Come on. Yeah, I thought we were together. done. Weather was gone. I thought we were done. And then we've had this cyclone. I think they're calling it a cyclone bomb that came over the Midwest and dropped a foot of snow in Denver. And I mean, it's just been nuts. So Mike Howard, you're not struggling with any snow down there in Atlanta, are you? Not here in Atlanta. No, 77 and beautiful here today. Oh, I hate you. I did just a second ago, had to send out a report about our stores in Colorado that oh. have been hit by that. But okay. here in Atlanta, no, it's beautiful. Waffle House still open in, yep. uh, in Colorado? I was just checking the hourly sales. Everything's still great. Let's, you know, I don't it. appreciate it here, Jim, but I was in Wyoming to ski over the weekend and they were getting a solid six inches a day while we were out there overnight. It was the most perfect snow ski weather you could even ask for. So while I hate it here, I did enjoy the benefits of it out there. John Pisano from uh, Unraid is here tonight. John, you're in Chicago, so you have a little bit of the same issues that Mike Weaver oh, yeah. and I. How's, how's the weather in Chicago? Today was beautiful. Today was really, really warm. But then again, we're supposed to get another, I think, couple inches of snow this weekend. So it's I don't the, understand it. It's the winter that just won't give up. It's the second winter, as they say, right? And, uh-uh. and so That's how our marches and, and Februarys go here in Chicago. It's like, okay, we're going to make it really cold. Then we're going to give you a taste of spring, and then we're just going to take that back. That's just, yeah, what, that's just exactly. the pattern of behavior here. Cisco servers in the chat room says, not just 77 here, but humid. Sucks already. Well, <laughs> I, be careful what you wish for. Wow. Uh, that uh and of course uh i'll remind everyone we post the show with with show notes tonight not a lot of show notes that we're going to put together a lot of conversation around unraid uh we'll we'll mention them as we go but uh, uh you can still head out to the average guy.tv by the way i spent a bunch of time two weekends ago kind of changing the theme and we've removed the live the old live page so we're back to just a single live page uh, it's actually HTTPS. So if you for, for finding if your uh, browser was alerting you that uh, that wasn't secure, we did that for Chatwing, and then Chatwing went under. So we just started using YouTube Chat, and you can head out, head out to theaverageguy.tv if you want to see that. Christian gave me the official seal of approval on the site. He likes it, so it must be good enough. If uh, if you're going to do that, I haven't seen the new site. Check it out. A lot more mobile responsive and mobile friendly uh, uh, as well. Don't forget if you haven't downloaded the mobile app yet. The average guy.tv uh, slash mm, what, 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 all of a sudden that Mike, I, I think I've said that 8,000 times. No, because it's not the that's not the right answer. Homegadgetgeeks.com. Holy cow, maybe the wine from dinner is affecting me already. Homegadgetgeeks.com for the mobile app. If you want to download it, easiest way to listen on the road and when you're traveling, you can stream it right from there. We want to thank the Patreon subscribers who've kind of helped me pay for that. And we appreciate it. Big thanks to Aaron Lawrence who joined us last week. And of course, I don't if you haven't listened, go back. Aaron brings it every week. Mike Weger, I was a little disappointed. You couldn't I knew you were skiing. Yeah. But you missed a good one. 
I, oh, I, I think I've missed Aaron twice. You know, I've been on with her also as well and I miss her every time. And, and she just, she brings it every week. It was awesome having her. She did a great job. And uh, and so, Aaron, we appreciate uh, your work out here as well. We're going to get Aaron back on. You know, Mike, you and I quizzed her. She's building this completely digital automobile for travel. So it's like a travel van, and they've outfitted it with USB ports everywhere and batteries and all kinds of tech gear. So she said she thinks that'll be ready late spring. So we're going we're gonna to do a live walkthrough with her where she's on with us walking through each of the tech gadgets that's in this van, this travel. I'm totally on board for that. Super sweet. So so we'll get her lined up here in the spring, but Aaron, thanks for coming on. All right. I already, uh, uh, already mentioned him already announced him, but John from Unraid is with us today. John, thank you. And thank Unraid for taking the hour tonight to kind of spend time with us. I appreciate it. Welcome to home gadget geeks. Thank you very much, man. It's great to be here. Good to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your role at Unraid, how long you've been there, some of those kinds of things, just so we can get to know you a little bit. Sure. So I joined uh, Line Technology back in 2014. So I've been there for about five years now. And uh, I joined because prior to that, I worked for the reseller industry uh, for IT technology. So anything from Citrix to Microsoft to Cisco to NetApp to EMC to VMware, you name it, that was in my wheelhouse. And I was really fascinated with virtualization technology. I thought that stuff was really cool. And right around that time frame, I found Unraid because my buddies were using it. You know, same way most of us find out about it, our buddies are using it. And uh, he told me, you know, Eric, our, our other developer told me, hey, you got to get this Unraid stuff. It's amazing. It's a way better solution for setting up a home media server than anything else I've ever found. I'm like, okay, great. Got into it, really liked it. And then heard Tom, our CEO, was working on a new version, moving to 64-bit, moving in the direction of adding VMs. And I'm like, this is my wheelhouse. I got to be a part of this. So I reached out, flew out, met with Tom, um, you know, found out about how the company started, went through the whole history of the whole thing. And I really thought that there was something there. So I joined up, Eric joined up and uh, it's been an amazing ride. It's been really an amazing ride. But my role there is uh, I'm actually the chief strategy officer, but when you work for a company like this, you wear so many hats. So the title doesn't say much because I handle customer support. I handle uh, business partnerships. I handle working with OEMs. And uh, if you schedule services through our website to talk to one of us, you're going to talk to me. So there's so many different cookie jars that I got my hand in. Nice. How big is Unraid and how dispersed are you guys? So we're, we have four, four full-time employees, but we have a handful of additional contractors uh, that are developers that work for us throughout the globe. So we've got folks out of Australia. We've got folks in the Netherlands. Um, you know, uh, we're based out of Chicago, me and Eric, and then Tom's based out of California. Spencer's also out of California. Um, so we're, we're very geographically dispersed. And then our community is also, of course, worldwide. And there's so many different people that have contributed to the project over the years. So I couldn't even begin to count how many people have had a hand in the code one way or another. Yeah, it's it's been around a long time. Okay, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your Unraid server? How big is it? Do you, do you, Which I'm one? Assuming you, well, yeah, there you go. That's the correct answer. <laughs> right, That's right. The, so I have a handful. Um, so the, at this office that I'm at, my home office, I actually just built a new rig this week. And when I say I, I really mean Eric. And then I supervised Eric because, yeah, I'm, I, these big hands don't work well in a chassis. So, uh, but it's an i9, 9900K uh, CPU. I've got an RTX 2080 Ti in there for the GPU. It's water-cooled. I'm overclocking it uh, and it's running a VM. And I'm, that's how I'm talking with you guys today. I'm running in a Windows 10 VM with that GPU pass-through with 
a USB controller. The onboard USB controller is passed through. And Unraid's actually booting off of a secondary PCIe card that's another USB controller. So it's on its own independent USB controller from the main board. So I can still use all the front-mounted ports for USB and whatnot, just like a regular desktop. Use a webcam, uh, 34-inch uh, Acer Predator monitor. What else you want to know? <laughs> 32 gigs no, of RAM. How, how, how much did you say? How much storage you got on there then? Uh, well, so this one, I'm using two M.2 PCIe NVMe SSDs, so the Samsung 960 Pros, I believe. So there's two terabytes. They're running my cache pool. And then actually for HDD storage, this is I don't have much on this one. It's just two drives. And it's not even, it's like a three terabyte and a two terabyte. It's just for testing purposes. This guy over here has 50, I think, 40 or 50 terabytes. And that, well, you can't see it, but it's a 45 drive Storinator. Um, so they, they sent me one out because they wanted me to have a system to test with. They were having some issues with VMs and, uh, in order to be able to provide that support, I got to have a replica of the hardware cause it was kind of a hardware specific issue, but this is a really awesome box, by the way, I got to say, I'm not, they're not paying me to say that it's a really, really good box. So if you're looking for something yeah. off the shelf, it's pretty amazing. I What's think that's everyone's dream Unraid box, right? Is a 45 drives machine. Well, this one's the AV 15. So it's not, it's not the full big boy 3u chassis with 45 slots in it it's okay. only got i think it's got 15 three and a half inch base and 10 two and a half inch base so you can build a decent cash pool in there just um but yeah, it's right. still it's still i mean with hard drives being as big as they are today yeah. that's still a lot of storage oh yeah so mm -hmm. yeah yeah um we got john we got involved mike and i mike Weger and i got involved in burst crypto mining and and okay. so of course that's hot that's a proof of capacity or it's storage based. So you are rewarded for the more storage you have. Oh, and nice. so I never thought in a million years I'd ever have anything more than, I don't know, eight or 10 terabytes. And now I'm running sure. 70 in the house, Wow! you know, and you kind of like, so all of a sudden these numbers have gotten a little bit relative. I don't, I run them. I kind of run them off a bunch of things because I don't, you don't need to, or you don't want to rate them in this case. You want to get every single little bit of capacity you can sneak out of those things. Yes, but I have certainly seen we have a community, a burst community um, in a pool and some listeners come over from that pool. And we have seen some pretty big implementations of this. Speaking of that, Mike Howard, why don't you talk real quick? What's your setup? What are you running? You've been running this forever. So For tell us what's your current implementation? 10 ish years. So my current and this is what I was telling John in the pre-show. Uh, my hardware is a little underpowered, but to, believe it or not, it's more powerful than what I was running before. And yeah. I have 64 terabyte of storage. Um, I think 11 discs, two parity drives, so 13 total discs there, two uh, cache drives, uh, so that makes it 15 drives. Uh, you have a Norco 4020 case is my case. That case, I've been running the whole 10 years. Not a single fan in that thing has died. Every fan wow. in that thing, it runs 24-7, is still running. CPU, this is where you're going to start to get laughing at me. CPU is an AMD Athlon um, 640. <laughs> <laughs> wow i have not heard that name in a long time well it's a, that's a hey. quad so uh, you know, speaks to the software though right yeah, i mean there so you go yeah i, I had and that is a bump up from what i was running before where it's it i did have some performance problems but let me let me keep going so uh 16 gig of ram so that that's not bad for what i'm doing i don't run that's any vms bad. on it uh i am running um crusader which i love crusader oh yeah I'm running the um, next cloud with the things that go with it, you know, DuckDNS and the Mario uh, DB and, and all that kind of stuff. Duplicati, which are backup uh, stuff to uh, Backblaze to B2. Uh, that thing runs, is, I've never had a problem with it. 
And then very light usage of Plex. I, I have that installed, but I use very light usage of it. So mainly as a file server for me, sure. I, do, I do have three Mediasonic uh, external enclosures connected to it because my largest files are my, podca my podcast files. I have something like 12 terabyte of those. And I don't back them up online. I just back them up to those external drives um, using Crusader to, to do that sync to back them up there. The thought being, if, if I lose the, those, it's not, it's not the end of the world for me. Um, and I have the, you know, the, the final copies up on the web where I can get them. All the rest of my critical data, you know, uh, I use Duplicati to back up. And so mainly for a file server, and I'm getting, when I'm writing to the, you know, to the, um, the cache, I'm saturating my gig network pretty much. I'm getting, you know, pretty good speed there. And as far as file server goes, for me, it works just wonderfully. But as I was mentioning in the pre-show, I was think I'm thinking I'm at the point where now I'm ready to upgrade the the mm -hmm. CPU and the motherboard and everything, and I was leaning toward um, the Threadripper and having a little bit more RAM, maybe 64 gig of RAM, mm -hmm. and and eventually doing some VMs, not heavy VMs, not gaming VMs. I'm going to do that on my main PC, but some VMs for some other usage. And I don't know if we're ready to talk about that. But well, I was going to say, John, you have any advice on a Threadripper? You guys probably haven't tried those yet. Oh, no, we have. We have. We had. Uh, so Eric actually was the first one to get into Threadripper. And as a developer, you really see the value of those cores really quickly when you're compiling the Linux kernel. So it's, it's pretty amazing uh, how that thing blows the doors off of any of the Intel systems we have. Um, and he had that for a little while. And then... Uh, our CEO was actually looking for an upgrade, so Eric kind of found a way to shift that down the bench, and I should say up the bench, I guess, in this case, and he got a Threadripper 2, and the performance on it is definitely better than the original Threadripper, but, I mean, if you already had a Threadripper 1, I wouldn't tell you to go buy the Threadripper 2 right now. I mean, you probably are still getting the, the miles out of the current hardware you got, but yeah, Threadripper's amazing, especially as an application server, because you've got three uses of Unradar really, you know, a basic NAS, then you've got the application server layer, and then you've got VMs. And with applications like Plex, especially as your concurrent user count increases, the amount of CPU horsepower you need to do that transcoding also increases. And then the value of having those additional cores also increases. So yeah, that that's a huge win um, over any of the other options in the market. So yeah, we love Threadripper for that. Mike Howard, you probably aren't experiencing too many heat problems with your AMD setup, right? It's a pr it's a pretty cool processor, right? It is, and I have it in another room because that Norco forty twenty case is, is loud. Mm -hmm. The you know the issues I've run into with the case is I just put in a, a ten terabyte uh, Iron Wolf Seagate. I'm going to try Seagates again. I'm, you know, I'm not in favor wow. of those. Wow. I'm going to try it again. They're just a tad thicker than the other drives, and my Norco 420 cases have a little trouble pushing them in there. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's one issue. And before we go off of me, I did want to say one of the moments where I knew I was going to be in love with Unraid was when I switched from, from the, the old hardware I had to this this hardware I'm using now. I was going to say my new hardware, but the hardware I'm using now, that, that Athlon CPU. Mm -hmm. So in the process of changing out the motherboard, the CPU, the RAM, the, the whole guts, I also took the USB stick, which Unraid runs on for me, over to my computer over here, upgraded the software from whatever version to the next version, not like a dot change, but a full first number change. Mm -hmm. Installed the hardware, went back to the hardware, stuck the, the new drive in there, booted it up, and it ran just fine. Mm -hmm. And I said, that... I could never do that with Windows and have no issues. It booted up like nothing ever happened. Yeah. It was just wonderful. Yeah. Well, and that's the same experience I just went through when I built the 9900K. The storage 
was already present in the existing system I had at the time. Yeah. And so my upgrade process after making Eric build it for me was to then just move the storage over, move the USB stick over, configure the BIOS, boot, and everything just picked up. Even my VM, my Windows 10 VM, you know, it ha- obviously it had to go through a second of just re, you know, organizing all the hardware and device manager and whatnot, but it picked everything back up and drivers all installed and everything was fine. So yeah. that's the beauty of it, man. It's cool. It, it, hardware agnostic, you know. And I've heard it's going, easy. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Knock on woods, 10 years, not a single crash related to the software. I've had hard drives. No, no hard drive caused a crash. A power supply caused a crash. Okay. Uh, but no software crash. And I'm currently running, I should say this as we head off of me, is 6.7RC5. Uh, nice. My, my nice. friend out in chat right now, AD. And I like to take credit for a bunch of people who switched over to Unraid, but I think they all made their choices on their own. Uyghur made his choice on his own. My friend AD made his choice on his own. And Mark Robinson, who I don't see out there, they all made it on their own without me influencing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I take a little credit. Yeah, uh, you should. But, <laughs> you should. <laughs> uh, you know, but it's running fine. The release candidate is running fine. Um, awesome. Mike Uyghur, like... I still don't know the full story of how you found this thing. Like all of a sudden one day you're like, I have you ever heard of this thing called Unraid? <laughs> and you, I remember it's cause it was like, you discovered something. And I'm like, Oh geez, man, we've been talking about this for 10 years, but I don't think we talked about it on the show or how'd you come to it? Well, you know, I'm kind of ashamed because I think this kind of puts me in the uh, the newcomer, not like the, oh, I've been with them forever because, you know, John's going to make fun of you. I actually found it from the Linus Tech Tips videos, right? Like those became extremely Why would popular. I make fun of you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not I'm not like an OG Unraid user. I'm still new to the platform, but... Uh, That's yeah, fine. So, Haven't you noticed our community is very welcoming? It is. It, that's the one biggest thing I have found with Unraid. So yeah, I found it through the Linus Tech Tips video. They had been talking about it. And honestly, so I'd heard about it. And then it was a Google search because I... Jim, it was when I was getting out of burst mining. So what you and I talked about, I had a bunch of these drives, but they were all different sizes. So typical RAID wasn't going to work for me, but I had a ton of storage, well, a ton relative to what I needed for my home network. And I said, okay, man, I'd really love to use these in some sort of NAS box, but they're all different sizes. And honestly, a simple Google search, I was like, Unraid, I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard of Unraid, man, like Linus raved about that. And then I brought it up to the community and Jim was like, well, you know, that's what Mike Howard's always talking about. Like when we say Unraid, I'm like, oh yes, that's totally right. Like we always attribute Unraid to my cowards. I'm like, okay, well, well, maybe we'll give it a shot then. So um, I kind of went full board. And what I did was I literally, you guys are going to you know, laugh at my specs as well. Because what I did was I had a very underpowered machine that I was using for burst mining. And I literally repurposed it, pulled the motherboard out, put it in a rose wheel for you, 15 day chassis, got it off Amazon for like 99 bucks, threw it all in there. Um, so I have the parity plus six other spinners, so seven total spinners, uh, which gives me 18 terabytes of space. And then I have two cache drives uh, mirrored, and those are 500 gigapiece SSDs. So, you know, cache at 500, uh, but it's redundant. And so, you know, 18 terabytes for me is more than enough uh, for, for what I use it for. But my hardware, as far as like specs wise, um, Intel i7-3770. I so a really knock old. It. I'm still bad. running that here. It's not okay. Bad. Good. Okay. How many okay, core, How many cores on that bad boy? Uh, it's uh, a good question. Eight. Yeah, no. Four. Eight. Hyper- that's hyperthreaded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's great. That's a great CPU. I, no, would, yeah. I wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. That's and it cools CPU. pretty easy too. It's not. It's not terribly hot. You can kind of run it with a stock cooler, and it's just fine. Yeah, Mike uh, is not an Athlon. Right. Yeah. That's right. 
<laughs> well, you know, for me though, because I thought I was going to make this, I was almost going to make this like a gaming rig that just runs on Unraid. Was it, that, that that's like the next upgrade, right? The thing I'll do. But I have had the same experience. So I have yeah. So at i seven thirty seven seventy, and I actually upgrade that from an i five mainly because of what you mentioned with Plex and with the concurrent users. The i five was struggling just a little bit. So I with that socket though, I didn't want to you know, swap out the whole motherboard. So, okay, with that socket set, what can I get? So that i7 was the next option. And then really RAM was the next great upgrade for me. With that burst mining box, I only needed about four gig and I gave it some breather room, gave it 16. So it's got 16 gigs of RAM with that i7. It runs like a dream for everything I need to do on it. Because since I don't use uh, daily driver VMs, I have VMs on it that I fire up for specific purposes, but they're not a machine that I'm using uh, heavily or as a main driver. They usually have very specific purposes on, you know, I have an Ubuntu one and a Windows 10 VM fired up on there. Uh, same as my car, though. I have not had a single software-related issue. I've had Mike makes a dumb mistake and powers the machine down mid-shutdown and sure. cause some issues, but zero software-related. Like, I have never had that level of experience on an operating system. And that's kind of what I'm interested to see is, okay, well, what's the secret sauce here? How does this, how is this so rock solid and run so well? Uh, and I am also running 6.7 RC five. Um, excited to see when that actually goes to the stable, the stable branch. I don't know if we get any insight here on when's that going to go to the next, to the stable branch instead of being, uh, I guess beta or whatever you guys call it. Um, sure. But it, it runs great. I mean, who can run these, especially these release candidates, and have them still be as rock solid as they were? I didn't lose any capability when I made that switch. So as far as what I'm running on it, Dockers, you know, Crusader, we already talked about, uh, mm -hmm. Sonar, Radar, and then when you talk about uh, NextCloud, but also, Mike Howard, have you tried, I don't even know how you do, you uh, say it, but Colabora? for no nextcloud essentially gives you a google drive experience huh. um or like a google docs experience where you can get into it everyone can edit you can edit it within the web page great plugin love that one uh let's encrypt duplicati and plex and tatuli and then unify it's also my unify controller for my network so it has taken over the use of like three other machines i had three other machines in my rack and now i'm like where i really don't need a server rack anymore i have one box that's really could do everything i needed to do i had a bunch of different machines doing a couple of those tasks but with unrate it makes it so easy to combine all those into one box it's been fantastic. So yeah, that's my setup and that's what I'm running. And I, I think it's just, I mean, it's just been rock solid ever since day one. Um, John, when you see you're the community guy and you've heard two examples of what we have for the community here, when you get a feel and East coast servers in the chat room was asking a little bit about, he has 144 terabytes on one of his <laughs> nice. unraid boxes. When you hear like generally when folks come to unraid, they're pretty serious. I think they're pretty serious about their backup. And so we see 60 terabytes from Mike and uh, Mike Howard, Mike Weger, who's, who's running 18. 18. That's yeah. still pretty serious. Like, that's a serious amount. Mm -hmm. We see some large ones. What do you see in the community? And, and just give us maybe a, a state of the union address, so to speak, of, of Unraid. Sure. So well, as far as what, what the average community member has in terms of storage. Yeah, just, yeah, what are you seeing out there? I mean, certainly we have two great examples of this thing just working. And I'm assuming... That's you kind of hear some of that across your community, but just kind of give us an update on how you feel like things are going right now and how the community is. 
Oh, I think the community's doing great. I think I think we're doing great. Community's doing great. Um, I think development pace has increased dramatically in the last two years. Um, you know, with Unraid Six, we started pumping out releases at a much more frequent pace, and we've maintained that pace. We've added a lot more people to the team. Um, I think the number of folks that are getting their hands involved with Unraid now has increased dramatically. So yeah, we're we're seeing great results, and I think 2019 is going to be a banner year for us. I think it's going to be huge. Both Mike Howard and Mike Weger, and then you guys just jump in here. Otherwise, you know me. I'll just dominate the conversation. So um, they both asked this question, like, what's the future? And so can we talk a little bit as you're as we kind of think about the rest of the year? And we understand you got things you can't talk about. So don't Mm -hmm. don't do that. But we're not a scoop show. We're we're a sharing sure. community show. So sure. tell us what's Unless coming. You're willing. What are you I mean, about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if he wants to share, let the man share. Yeah, no, I'm just just trying to be polite. Just trying to be polite. So, John, what's coming up? Okay, so um, as far as six point seven is concerned, uh, it it should be stable soon. I'm not going to give you an exact release date because the guys that are responsible for that would probably beat me up pretty hard about that one. So, uh, but it is going to be coming out very soon. As far as future goes. Um, let's, let's talk about it in two buckets. One is product features, things that, that people want to see inside the OS. And the other is how we can kind of change the game and deliver some services with it as well. So when we look at developing anything for Unraid, it really goes back to the kind of the history of the company. We always build things that we use ourselves. That's where we start. So there's always guys that are going to come to us and throw something out from left field say, Oh, please add ZFS to Unraid. And it's like, okay, well, there's, there's people out there that might want that, but there's also other solutions out there that already do that, and they do it really well, and we don't need to get our hands into that that jar because we wouldn't use that ourselves. We like the way our array works. We like the way our cash pool works. We don't think that's a necessary feature. So we tend to focus on things that we use ourselves. The other thing that we do is we look for opportunities to make things easier because that's the one thing that I think really separates us from a lot of the other, you know, I would say open source or uh, free NAS software solutions that are out there. They all kind of focus on being a business offering for IT professionals, which is great. But then when the home user wants something that's very easy and very flexible, they're not as good at that. So we stay focused on that. And what we see is that when people click start on the array for the first time, they format their devices for the first time, there are a number of things that they immediately do thereafter. And there's uh, setting up Plex is probably the number one. That's probably the number one application that our, our community of users uses but you guys all had similar applications set up on your systems mm-hmm. to accomplish similar things you know either it be backup or remote access or security whatever it might be those are common things that you're doing over and over and over again we see that across our community so if we can find ways to make that process even easier as in push button as in you don't actually have to go get a container it's built into our offering out of the gate we think that would be valuable so that includes things like doing secure remote access so if you guys are running 6.7 or 6.6 even, um, how many of you are leveraging HTTPS for the web interface? Uh, not, You're not? I'm okay. Not me. Not me. If, no. if you go under the settings page and you go to, I think it's under identification. I'm going to get yelled at now because I can't remember off the top of my head which page it's under. But if you go in there, you can actually turn on HTTPS support. And our main concern with that was we didn't want the experience that you get when you do that with like your router and you don't have an SSL certificate, and you get that nasty... So we actually partnered with Let's Encrypt directly, and it's built into the UI where you can provision a Let's Encrypt SSL certificate for your local server. And so you're able to then do HTTPS colon whack whack, and then it's tower or whatever your host name is, and that resolves with a valid SSL certificate over an HTTPS connection. 
So right now that only works locally, but we have it in development right now to make that work remotely, which means you now could then remotely access the actual web GUI itself for Unraid from anywhere in the world over a valid HTTPS connection. Wow. So that's that's something in, in the roadmap. And then once that's possible, that opens the door to a whole lot of other stuff that we can do to make it easy to, let's say, back up your server to the cloud or maybe connect to somebody else's Unraid server, sync data with somebody else, sync data with another server you own. So these types of things I think would be really, really powerful and really easy to use if you didn't have to go through all the extra steps of setting up the individual containers for them. So we think those container solutions are great and they show us what people want to do with the technology. But then we look at how many steps, if you had to write a guide and say, here's step one through 50, if we can bring that down to steps one through five and that's all it takes, that's a win. So I think that's, from a services perspective, that's one of the things we want to do. We want to make the most common things that people want to do, remote access, securely, um, backup online, backup to the cloud, all those types of things. We want to make that an out-of-the-box experience. And then separate from that, we want to add tons of new features into the OS itself. With that Let's Encrypt, I was really excited actually to see that. I saw the announcement of it. I just hadn't gone in and made the change. So I use Let's Encrypt in the Docker as a reverse proxy for all of my uh, items internally, especially for, I think, for NextCloud. If you use NextCloud, you probably have Let's Encrypt set up. Is the integration with them, are there plans to expand that into other areas besides the just the homepage um, SSL? So like the web, yeah, yeah. So... Imagine trying to get into your VM or trying to get into one of your individual container interfaces. I'd like to see that certificate capability extend to that. Yeah. So not just to the web interface itself, but yeah, the, once we can tunnel and provide that secure tunnel to any device anywhere in the world over the internet, there are so many different things that you can use that to do. And then there's other technology that we're working on right now to make really secure connections, peer-to-peer connections that are completely separate from remotely accessing it through a URL. And once you can get down that road, now you're talking about a, basically a VPN service that sets up itself and that you don't have to pay for. That's not necessarily part of a third-party service that's delivered by some third party. You, you can actually tunnel directly between two machines and not have to go through an open SSL mm-hmm. or open VPN type solution, something that's even more native. So would the thought there be, you know, Mike Howard and I, we, we both have these boxes and we would love to back up a little bit, you know, one share of each other's to each other? Could you got you, it. Okay. Wow. You got it. Yeah, I love the one set up so, one at my parents' house and I'm back up to them. When you talk about making things easier, you know, back in the early days, and I, while I've played with Linux, I don't really know Linux that well. And in the early days, setting up like Crash Plan was a little difficult, mm-hmm. but things have gotten so much better. And oh, yeah. I've never feel as a user that, wow, I need to know more Linux to use this thing. It really never gets in the way at all. And with the Dockers and everything you have now, setting up backup and doing those things, although I don't use CrashPlan anymore, uh, when it was, it was so much easier today than it was just a few years ago. Things have really moved forward. Well, there's a, there's a fun story about Crash, the whole CrashPlan thing. So the reason that it got so much easier is because of how Docker containers work. So I think if you're talking about how it used to be, it used to be that you had to modify a bunch of I and I files. Yes. yeah and punch in all these variables mm-hmm. and then save them to the server and then hope everything works. And if it doesn't, now you're really scratching your head because you had nothing to interact with like a, a UI. Yeah. So when what changed was with Docker, we were then able to build essentially VMs without the overhead of a VM. And then we could actually pump a UI into there. And now it's just about creating a VNC connection. Mm-hmm. So once you're able to do that, because the whole challenge with, with CrashPlan was they didn't make a web interface. They didn't make any web type interface. It was all 
either a Linux or Windows-based app. So all you're really doing with Docker is running it in a container that's got a UI, and it's running a VNC connection to interact with it. And that way we get around having to load all of that UI stuff into the OS itself. Yeah. John, um, Andrew's asking in the chat room, and this is a good question. For anybody new to Unraid, when we think about the architecture really quick, can you? we mentioned cache drives and spinners and all those things. Can you give us just a quick two-minute, when we think about architecture, and particularly his question is, is there is there any tiering or any caching where data that's used more sits closer to the faster drives than than data that's not used very often maybe sits on slower drives? So can you talk a little bit about the architecture and maybe address that question? Sure. So I will directly say that storage tiering, when I hear that, that's a specific term referring to a specific methodology. And we do not do storage tiering in the most traditional sense of it. We do offer a cache. So the, here's the general idea. People who write data to an array do it in a few different ways. Either they're they're copying files over the network. So I, I think of either coming home with my phone and I have pictures on it and I want to back it up to my server, or uh, I could be running an application inside of Unraid like Plex or like something else, and I'm downloading something from the internet. So therefore, the, the, the download's happening local to the box. The experience that people care about isn't the stuff that's running on the server because that stuff is not slowing you down from doing anything else. It's when I'm copying from something like this, I want that to go as fast as possible. So the answer to that problem is our cache pool. And so what happens is we, we build a pool of devices that are not structured the same way the array is. And by doing that, we can front end write operations to the array, to this dedicated set of devices, and it can go far faster. And then at night, when you're not using the system, it moves that stuff back to the array. So as far as storage tiering where, oh, I've accessed a file can I promote that file from living on the array into the cache? We don't really do that today because the vast majority of our users don't need it. Um, but it is something that we might look at in the future. Yeah, because one of the things I like about Unraid is it's not splitting your files. You know, right. Your file, the whole file sits on a drive in a really bad situation where you lost more drives and your parodies can support. You're only going to lose the data on that extra drive. Well, and there's even there's more value than that. There, there's an awesome story that I can tell you from one of our moderators okay. that lived in New York who had a flood. And so here's the value of storing data on individual drives. And not just storing data on individual drives, but formatting each drive with its own file system. So in a traditional RAID, you're striping all that data across all of the disks in the system. And when you lose too many disks, all the data is lost. But because we do that on individual drives, the benefit is that when a drive does have a problem, like let's say you suffer some kind of corruption, the file system repair tools can typically resolve that. Well, in the case of this moderator, he had a flood. Half the server was covered in water, okay? He did the old method of take the drives out, put them in a bag with some rice, let them sit for a while, pop them back in. And, of course, there was tons of file system corruption. But using file system, just standard file system repair tools, he was able to recover the vast majority of his data. And, of course, the drives that weren't wet at all were totally fine. If that was a raid, there's no chance he would have gotten a single file back. Just not a chance in hell. Just wouldn't happen. So that really speaks to the, the, the design of the software. And it, it's not focused on that raw write speed performance that traditional RAID is. It's really focused on ease of use and better resiliency. So I've got to ask, just because you mentioned it, what is the best way to get photos off my phone every night over to my Unraid server? <laughs> best way? I mean... I've how tried many, multiple how many ways. different I've ways tried, do you want? I've tried Plex. <laughs> I've tried Nextcloud. Nothing's working great for me. I, but those are the only two I've tried. Is there like an awesome Docker container that works really well? Just to, I just want these to go to a share and be done. 
That's it. Every night, just do it. Or whenever I'm home, I guess. It doesn't even have to be a night. I think with Plex, the problem is, is that they store the photos in a subfolder off the app data directory by exactly. default. Yep. And that's kind of a pain. So I think you could actually remap that folder using a, uh, a Docker volume mapping. So you could basically tell the container here, map this this folder that's that seems local to that app data folder, and then map that to a share. That's one way you could solve that problem. The okay. other... Uh, I think you could use Tenito uh, is another Docker container that's kind of neat. So Tenito is like having Google Drive um, on your running off your server, and then you can download either a PC app, uh, iOS or Android app to it, and you can remotely connect to it. And they also, similar to Plex, they give you a URL, and it's a you know something.tonitoid.com, and that's how you log into it and get to that stuff. Well, that also, that app, I believe, features a photo backup where you can then say, here, back this up to this share. So as far as a single best one, I mean, I've used all of them to do it. And they all can do it. It's, I, I don't think there's any difference really between them. It's just whether or not you want to go through more steps to configure it. So maybe Tonito would be a little easier. Right. Okay. The, uh, the Explorer Grapher in chat says Nextcloud does it for me on the fly, no problems whatsoever. Found out. Um, I found out I needed to make sure that the app was on my phone, was allowed to run in the background to work properly. Oh, yeah, okay. Nextcloud's been okay, but it struggles with certain file sizes. Even if you like, for all of the videos, it some get uploaded, some don't. So I, I, I do like Nextcloud. Nextcloud was okay, but That's it wasn't perfect for what I do. That's what you use. That's what I use. It, it runs into an issue every now and then, but it for the most part, it works good for me. Okay. And I haven't was, tied it down ahead. to a file size thing. Maybe I need to check it more. And Mike Weaker, there was an own cloud, next cloud. Is, 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 is there a battle going on between those two, or wasn't one? I think from next the other? cloud is going to be the winner. I think it was, if I remember the history correctly, the developers from own cloud went over and started next cloud, okay. um, if I remember correctly. So next cloud is essentially what the developers from OwnCloud wanted it to be. And then OwnCloud st is still going. I think they're both still fine. I don't think there's any issues with either. Uh, I know that uh, Howard and I both run NextCloud and I, mm -hmm. I love it. It is, NextCloud has been, that's another one that was just rock solid, except for the photo upload <laughs> that oh, I just talked about one problem. Everything Explore else. Explore Graphics said until he he ran that background proper process, it didn't work properly. He says the issue has changed since he did that and he uploads K4, 4K files all the time. And he, that's my okay. photographer friend, uh, AD Will. Okay. Well, then that that might solve my issue. Let's. Well, I'll I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Okay. Super good. Any, any other questions along those lines, Mike Howard? Anything? Uh, no. No. Okay. Um, we had. Uh, let's see if I can bring that set of questions back. Oh, I'd ask you this, um, um, John. I'd ask you this early on about the community. When you, when you think about the typical community user that you see, and I know that's hard, but what's the community? Is there, a, can you find like a theme for the community as far as who's using it or how they're using it? Do you have a certain user base like photographers or stuff like that, that, that stands out or is it pretty varied across the board? Um, it's pretty varied. I mean, we, we definitely have, I'd say the largest group of users that use the software is for home media serving use. It's That's the number one uh, group I think that we're dealing with. And then there's plenty of, of professionals that use it, both photographers, videographers, uh, video production houses, different places will use it for um, uh, mass storage, long-term repository, stuff like that. Uh, but then you got other kind of unique use cases. I, I see all sorts of crazy use cases across the board. I talked to one guy that worked for a car dealership and he hooked up a number of Windows VMs in Unraid 
to his security camera setup and used Blue Iris with an NVIDIA GPU passed through to the VMs to power the video encoding to the server locally. And he set up all this advanced network tunneling and VLANs, and I was blown away. I'm like, wow. So, I mean, I, that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I never saw that before. And he's like, yeah, it works great. Works like a champ. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, and then, of course, you've got Linus. Like, Linus always – he never ceases to amaze me. This guy is is crazy. I mean, when he – the first time we, we talked to him, the whole idea was, hey, you know what we can do that's pretty cool? We can do two gamers on one CPU. It's like, that's awesome. Let's do it. And he's like, how about seven? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And then he goes, how about 10? How about 10? And we're going to remotely stream them using Steam Link. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. What did I do? <laughs> so uh, he, Watching he, him build that was one of the best things ever. It was crazy. I mean, and he, and he keeps doing that kind of stuff all the time. And it never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's just cool. He's good at Space Invader. The guy who does those videos is probably oh, good. Yeah. And Ed is great. He's such a great dude. And uh, uh, he, he's a huge help in the community as well. Like That guy has created so many guides for how to do so many different yep. things. And you know, His he's guides doing... for the newbie are, I mean, that that gets you through, right? Yeah. Like, I use it for NextCloud, yeah. Yes, the NextCloud was perfect instance. Like NextCloud was something that I probably would not have been able to figure out. Uh, I could have piecemealed maybe some other tutorials together, but he makes it so simple. And we talk about um, sonar and radar and all those things. And he just has great advice in general. So I thought he was actually, he's not an employee of Unraid then. He's just a community member. That's correct. That's okay. correct. But he, yeah. he's an awesome guy. He, like, oh, he, yeah. His videos are such a huge help. I mean, we get emails and support. I, I handle most of that. And it's a lot of times people will be like, how do I do this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to send him a link to that video because that, <laughs> that is such a good guide. It's like, we can't do it better. Yeah. All right. I have a question that hopefully nobody gets mad at me for asking. Um, but you know, I, we've talked about, I've been a user for 10 years, which means I hadn't paid you anything in 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I accept donations. If you, I'll give you my PayPal. If you, you want to feel that guilty, Mike, you know, I, you know, I love working with, uh, the, or being a customer of not working with being a customer of some of these smaller shops, like Unraid, you know, you're not mm. Adobe. Uh, you don't have thousands of employees. Because I think you guys respond more to the user base than than uh, some of these other bigger companies. Another one I use is vMix as a software encoding thing. Um, but I often you know wonder because I want you guys to live for a long time. Uh, the company that is, and and you know how do y'all deal with that going further? Uh, you know you have to continue to get new customers or maybe yeah. build additional servers uh, because so far I've only paid you once. That's a great question. And uh, I, like I said, I'll give you my PayPal later. You can send me some money. No, I, so like the, the whole, the reason that we've never charged for upgrades and whatnot, it really goes back to our, our CEO. And, and he, he's just one of these guys that he's like, I don't want to nickel and dime people. Mm -hmm. And he's always been like that. And, uh, and I appreciate that. I think that's a really good way to operate a business. And I think it's the reason why uh, we've seen so much growth over the last several years, because we've created a good product at a fair price and we don't nickel and dime people over it. And so um, that's been great. But I do agree that to grow and to see continued growth, you've got to either come up with a way to change that model or come up with something else to offer people that's a value. And that's, I think, the more the direction we want to go. Because we don't really want to see uh, Unraid OS itself have to go through that upgrade pricing model. Because that's a huge advantage also from a support perspective is that mm -hmm. if someone's having a problem, I can just say, upgrade to the latest version, man. It's most likely fixed. But if I have to worry about people that are running old versions and paying for upgrades and things like that, it, it even complicates the support. It complicates the user experience. And again, it nickel and dimes people. But 
offering complementary services like the ability to connect to other people very simply and make these secure tunnels and back up to cloud services and whatnot, or back up even your flash device. I mean, I think that's a, a huge one uh, that we already have working in a proof of concept model right now, because that's the most common problem. You know, my flash fails, I lose my OS configuration. How do I get back up and running? And right now there's a little button you can click to back it up, but <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's manual, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can make that automated, so that every time you make a change to the OS, that your flash is automatically backed up to our cloud. And then if your flash fails, you can download it, uh, back up right to your new computer and put it on a new flash and boot it up and you're up to the running again. I think that'd be very valuable. So offering those yeah. kind of services for a fee is the way that I think we can really grow the business further without, again, going down this path of charging for upgrades. I should I should cover your pricing really fast because it's super reasonable. Tier yeah. one, uh, basic up to six attached storage devices, sixty bucks basically, right? Am, yeah, that right? Yeah. Okay, get I'm on the right page. I just want to make sure. And then tier two, they're plus up to twelve, uh, eighty nine dollars. And then yep. the pro, super reasonable, unlimited for one hundred and thirty bucks. And you're saying that's one time? Yep, that's what I have. Yeah. Yep, one time. <laughs> And and if and I were, we haven't changed pricing by the way for a long time. We we went through one pricing increase in I think it was 2015, but it was modest. It was like 10, 20 bucks depending on the keys that we were talking about. But you got to remember when Unrate started it was 2005. The biggest storage that most people had was 300 gigabytes. Yeah, right. So I, now you're dealing with 14. Ter- yeah, I mean that that's what it used to be. So we up yeah. we up Pro by ten dollars. It's one twenty nine. So I don't I don't think anyone's held our feet to the fire on that yet. So no. good. <laughs> no, made made it pretty reasonable. And I and I think you have a free you mentioned earlier, you have a free trial. So if anyone and anyone is interested in doing that, what's the conditions of the trial? Uh you just have to have an internet connection to the server for the purpose of the trial. Um and it's a 30-day trial and you can request extensions, up to two extensions. So you can essentially run it for up to 60 days if you really need to. Um, but there's no limitations in the trial. So it's like having a pro license. There's there's no feature limitations or anything like that. That's super great. Uyghur, what did you what did you go with? So I went with the trial originally. So you guys should just, when you get the trial, just send along uh, Space Invaders links, right? Because like first day you get the trial, you go, I, you YouTube it, you find it, you get everything installed. And once you get it, there's no living without it. So uh, yeah. I ended up going, I actually had the basic first. Um, and I thought that was going to be enough. I use the server so much. I'm like, okay, I need more drives. And I went to plus, uh, about a month ago and I'll probably end up at pro here in, in the near future. Awesome. Well, we'll send you a free pro upgrade. Sweet. There Ooh, we go. There go. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. You know, Rock on. John, when we think about the future, uh, we, we, we alluded a this to a little bit of this in the beginning, but when you think kind of about what you'd like to see some wish list items, maybe we can get some things from you in the way you use it anything you're you're kind of hoping for or that you'd like to see so there's things that uh i'm excited about that we're working on and then there's things that that we ourselves can't develop that we're relying on open source to handle so like that that's the thing with unraid there's a combination of of open and closed source components to unraid os and there's a combination of stuff that we develop versus the open source community develops so obviously we're linux based and our virtual machines are based on Kimu kvm and all of that and one of the things that I've been always frustrated by with VMs and GPU pass-through is the lack of support for SLI or NVLink. And it's that black voodoo magic that NVIDIA has. And we've even, I've reached out to people at NVIDIA about it. And they're just like, yeah, just, it's not, it's not going to happen. And I'm like, come on, because it would be, it would be great. Like the use case is really clear. I, I have a system that's then capable of supporting two players 
when I have a buddy over. And when he's not there, I can get all the horsepower for myself. Yeah. And that would be awesome. But there's not a lot. We really can't do anything about it because it involves technology that we're not responsible for. So that would be a wish list item. Like if NVIDIA, if anyone from NVIDIA is listening. Of course, it would be like, a miracle. Please, if they were, please. It would be a miracle. Please. But you never know. Um, but then on the internal roadmap, I really want to work on more VM stuff. That, Like I said, like that's my been my passion. That's what got me to come to line tech originally was uh, virtualization technology. And I think that we've barely scratched the surface on what we can do with that stuff. And I think making snapshots really easy, um, using ButterFS as a file system more intelligently to create uh, a history of snapshots that you can roll back to. I mean, like I remember in November of last year, I think it was November, October, there was that Windows 10 update bug and people were mm -hmm. losing data. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so here's the thing. In our, in our lab setups, we all use snapshots for our VMs, and we have scripts set up to automate that process. So if any of our users were affected by that, our guys in the development team, they could just roll back to yesterday's snapshot of Windows, and they would just have all their data back. And as far as storage footprint goes, because it's ButterFS, it's just the differential mm -hmm. between snapshots that you're storing. So the storage footprint's really lean. So I, it's stuff like that that I, I really want to bring to the users. There's there's been a number of challenges to the development process for that because there's so many different ways you can go about it. But it's something that I'm hoping that we can tackle um, maybe later this year. I don't know. I'm going to get shot at for even saying a year. <laughs> no, <laughs> we, we won't. We won't hold you to it. Development I'm always takes longer than you expect. <laughs> it always does, especially with with stuff. We're always pushing barriers. We're always going for latest kernel releases, latest Kimu releases, latest Docker releases. And we're trying to integrate the latest kernel technology. So, you know, we want to get this stuff into the hands. I hated, I hated it when I worked in enterprise IT that I saw all this cool tech that the big businesses got. And then it would take a decade before anybody at the consumer level got their hands on it. And it's like, okay, there's tons of cool stuff out there in the open source world that's just not made easy for people to take advantage of. So that the more we can grab a hold of that, the better. Well, I'll tell you, my buddy, uh, explorographer out here in, in chat, AD, is the one who told me, you got to go to 6.7 RC5 uh, because it looks so much better. It's such a big upgrade from the one before. And so I did. And the dashboard, I just love the your new dashboard. It's gorgeous. That, oh, the thank new you. The new dashboard is great. Yes. Well, that that a lot of the credit for that has to go to a community member by the name of Mex, who reached out to us, and he's a UI, UX designer, and said, hey, I really like your product. I'm using it. I have some ideas to make things look a little cooler. And he shot us over some concepts and we were like, this is amazing. And so he's, he's one of the contract developers we work with now. Nice. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it's hilarious how many times, I mean, even uh, most of the contractors that we work with started as users, reached out to us, brought an idea to the table that no one else had thought of or offered to help in a way that we never, you know, asked for, but they brought so much talent to the table and, and so many little projects that were just kind of side things then became part of the OS. I mean, the entire UI, that we launched with version six started as a community project between two guys on our forum. And then we were like, man, this thing looks better than our own product. We got to get, <laughs> we, we got to merge that code. So we reached out and they were like, yeah, that's awesome. And, and now we still work with those guys. So, I mean, it's, it's a great relationship we have with the community. So on, awesome. on that same token. So when you guys are looking at upgrades, feature requests, I mean, how do you guys pull those? Cause like, for example, the one that I believe is in 6.7, maybe release candidate one or two, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but was a simple thing that I didn't think would ever even hit your guys' radar, but was Time Machine over SMB instead of over oh, AFP, right? Are you kidding me? Is that's that a big like, request? 
No, but it's like something we've wanted forever. Oh, I totally. Mean, and I was AFP too. is horrible. It's awful. It's it's horrible. Like, I'm a Mac guy and it's it's terrible. It's <laughs> oh, so bad. I, I, I feel so bad for you. Yeah, right. Really. Yeah, but, yes. No, <laughs> I've, I've seen no. the other side now. You know, I, I use a lot of Windows machines, but you know, something that little, I'm like, well, that's just something I'm never gonna get. Because Time Machine was a great wow. feature that I loved of Unraid, but AFP is so terrible. I knew it wasn't your guys' fault. I'm like, well, it's not their implementation of this, it's just so bad. You guys put in that SMB, and wasn't it in 6.7, right? That you yeah. guys added that feature feature great it, it works so rock solid now on all of my machines my wife is so happy because her laptop's backed up and did it tom makes pay you did tom, you gotta did tom pay you i don't even know tom who's the, tom tom's our tom. ceo and i know <laughs> he is just grinning like an idiot right now saying i told you that's important and it's you. That, that he he was so adamant that we have to get this in as soon as possible Time machine is a key feature. We got to make it better. We yeah. got to make it faster. Yes. We got to get rid of AFP. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't use much Mac, so it's well, not. But but we have our our developer, uh, our other developer, Eric does, and Tom's a huge proponent of using iOS devices, and he and he's very adamant about time machine support. So I'm gonna get a big I told you so later. Well, thing. it's true, and you know what? So <laughs> I I you know not in my day job, but as a side gig, I love you know helping people with their home network and setting this stuff up. Yeah. And a lot of the executives that I work for they are all Apple people, right? Because it just works well, right? They're sure. iPhones and everything like that. And so they're always, they ask me about backups for their computers. And I'm like, well, Time Machine technically is just the easiest. It's built in. Like, well, what do I need? I'm like, well, you don't want to use a time capsule because, you know, air, the airport extremes are awful. Right. Uh, so I said, and now that you guys have this, I've literally recommended, I'm like, I could just set you guys up a simple Unraid box. Their Time Machine works great. Here we go. And and it's it's been an entry point, I think, to like, here. And then if you got the Unraid box, you might as well add blank, 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 all these awesome things. Right. Like, oh, that's awesome. So it, that Are was you using the SMB and upgrade. the RC version right now? Yes. And how's that been working for you? Rock solid. Performance-wise, pretty fast? Uh, You know what? Honestly, um, I have that I have that skip the cache drive anyway. So it's probably at that cap 35, right about, right, megabits per second. You know what you should um, try? You should try, yeah. uh, in your UI, go to disk settings. Okay. And there's an option called uh, write method, and mm-hmm. change that to uh, reconstruct write. Now, just just for testing purposes, because what that will do is we we codename this Turbo Write. What it does is Unraid normally just spins up the parity drive and the drive you're writing to. That's all. So the other drives stay spun down. Yeah. With this it'll spin them all up, and the value is is that instead of having to do a read modify write in order to, to perform an I/O operation, yep. you can do a reconstruct write. So you're skipping a whole I.O. What that means is that let's say all your drives average at around 100 megabytes to 150 megabytes a second. Yeah. You'll get that about on average for your write speed directly to the array. Really? So, so does that mean you, all of my drives are going to be spun up all the time? Whenever a write operation is occurring. Okay. So whatever you're, when your spin Not down policy kicks, in effect, it kicks into effect, it'll spin them down. So And there's somebody out there in our community, I, th- I think... Oh, I'm going to get yelled at again about this later because I'm terrible with memory. How, there's so many different people that have their hands in the cookie jar, but I think it's Squid who's ri- written a plugin to He's make that too. like a tunable thing where you can say, oh, I'm going to turn that on only at certain hours of the day and then otherwise just do the, the standard uh, 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 write method policy. So but, that's in settings, disk settings? Yep. Yeah, it should be called like MD tunable write method, I think. Okay. I think it, that's, what that's kind of what we do here at the end of the show. It just turns into a huge configuration <laughs> fest. And we just actually... Yeah, MD write just, method. Tunable MD write method. That's it. So reconstructive write. Switch that reconstruct on. Reconstruct write. Yeah, turn that on. Do you can right do that now. live and, and it should it should immediately... I mean, if you have a... If you're writing a file to the system and you turn that setting on, it will immediately improve speed. Well, it actually, my is Mac that I'm podcasting on is doing a time machine backup right now. So I'll, I'll probably let you know here in a little bit. Yeah, let me know. I'm curious how I'm curious how fast it goes. 
John, is there a reason why we shouldn't do that then? Well, it spins up all the drives. So, I mean, if it depends on what you're – look, everybody's different. So some people are super, super power conscious, and they're like, I want the minimum power consumption, minimum spin time, keep my discs cold as long as you can. And if that's the way you want things, then doing it where you have a cache drive and then you have the standard write method applying to the array, that's the way to go. But if you're like, hey, I'm all performance all the time. I don't care. I let my drive spin until their oh, yeah. heads break off, whatever. Then turn that puppy on. There's no problem. You're talking to crypto miners here. I don't care about power. Yeah, Dude, exactly. It's still way cheaper than I was running a bunch of GPUs. In yeah, here. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, right. it puts this more wear on the drives. It generates more power draw. But if you don't care and you're going to replace the drives as they fail, go for it. The, the, the problem for me is my I hit it so often with different people in the house. I don't get a lot of spin down anyway. Uh, that's, that's also yeah. true for me. Yeah. Well, but Mike, you're getting... It's only spinning up the drive it needs. So all your other drives are staying down. This is going to spin up all of them, if I understand I know. correctly. But, but just, that is I, right. just, I just checked now, and only one drive is spun down. All the rest of them are up. Yeah, that's usually mine too, especially with Time Machine running all the time. It's, yeah. all, it's usually spread across all the drives anyway, so I might as well turn on and get the benefits of it if they're all on. And I have all my computers in the house running a Cronus backing up to the Unraid server at different times of the day uh, and night. So you know it's getting hit by somebody in the house all the time. Mine's my Plex. I, you know, I, I watch Tatuli all the time because I've been cracking down on all the users. I'm like, guys, let my machine rest a little bit, all right? You know, I, I gotta give it a break. <laughs> <laughs> Who's watching TV at 9 a.m., right? Like, go to school. That's <laughs> go right. To work. It's something. my brother-in-law. I'm like, I, I know you're not in class or you're in class and you're watching a movie, man. <laughs> one, um, John, one other thing about Mike Weger, we've done these podcasts now a couple years together, three years, maybe four. four years now. And, and every time we have a guest on like you, like I'm doing the questions, but Weger's actually configuring, literally working on whatever technology <laughs> we have. And by the end of the show, he's got it done. Like it's, it's we did a great. Raspberry Pi, uh, arcade build. And by the end of the show, I had a build. It was awesome. Cause I had my Pi sitting here. I was following along. It was, it was fantastic. Super. So good. now awesome. I'm making all my upgrades to my Unraid server as we're talking. Okay. What there else you go. got for me? This is, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Any other, uh, Any other yeah. But Mike, before we leave this one, I got one more question. Okay. I have mine set to auto. What is that? Uh, the MD write method. Uh, I think auto does nothing. Okay. I think auto, does, <laughs> auto is. That's auto, what I was on to. Okay. So, so auto is. Yeah. <laughs> if you turn on the help text, it'll tell you auto selects read, modify, write. So the okay. reason that that's in there is that in the future, we do want to make that automatic so that based on certain conditions, it'll automatically turn on that write method. So like, like you said, if all your disks are spinning anyway, why not utilize that? Like that's, mm -hmm. that seems pointless to not. So that's something that eventually I think will make it as a feature into the product. But for right now, we just put that in there so that when we do make that happen, everybody who's already got that setting set, it'll just kick into effect. So it's kind of a placeholder. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. So reconstruct, write, apply. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so would that have any benefit if you are writing to the cache, though? Probably not, right? It's only when that cache... No, that, that only applies to the array. The, the, yeah. ca the cache okay. is using ButterFS, uh, well, depending if you have more than one disk or not. But if you're using a multi-disk cache pool, then it's using ButterFS and ButterFS RAID 1 specifically. So you're getting max write speed pretty much to that pool mm -hmm. as it is already. And is that what you would suggest is RAID 1? That's what I have. You know, I have it mirrored, right? Two 500 mm -hmm. gig SSDs. Instead of making it a a terabyte worth of SSD. I'm like, you know, 500 is probably enough for, cause I have it move every day and I'm usually mm -hmm. not transferring over a terabyte of space each day or over 500 gigs. Sorry. Is that usually the preferred method? Yeah, I, I okay. think so. I mean, the cash pool is there to, 
it's for the traditional use case of not even using reconstruct right, but just using the traditional like I only want my disks to spin up when they're getting data written to them and only the disks that are receiving the write. The cache pool then front ends that and it offloads even more from the array. So like if your cache pool is large enough and all of your shares are set to use it, then during the day your array stays spun down unless you're reading data from it. And that's the only time it spins up is for reads. And then all writes hit the cache pool. That's the traditional use case if you enable the cache pool for everything. So okay. it it's it we we make it tunable because everybody has a different wish list. So right. this this lets them configure it exactly the way they want it. Anything else we should know, John? About I mean, as you think about tips and tricks for the average unrate, and maybe I'll ask it in this. Yeah, you just form. two blue uh, blue two users minds right there I with know, that one. So <laughs> any <laughs> changes? We just both changed. Any yeah. other common like when when you're helping folks or I mean, what are some? Do you have any common mistakes that folks make or misunderstandings about the software that need to be rectified? Anything along those lines? Um, you know, I think that when it, a lot of the problems that people face are hardware specific, there are sometimes bugs that we have to address that are in the software, but to be honest, that the amount of times that those come up, it's, it's mostly in the RC phases and that's what those are for. It's to iron those kind of things out. And as far as critical bugs, like, like, uh, data loss bugs, uh, I can only think of one time during one, uh, beta release of Unraid where there was actually a Linux kernel file system level bug that caused silent data corruption. And it, it as soon as we found out about it, I mean, we we ended up being the ones that discovered the bug. Tom, our CEO, had to pour through the code and finally figured it out and had to contact the maintainer for it. It was a scary, scary endeavor. But that's because, you know, not losing the customer's data, that's the number one thing we are, always have on our minds. So keeping that data secure is, is super critical for us. And uh, I think with... Those kind of bugs, they're, <laughs> they're, they're heart stoppers for a minute. Um, but we jumped right on it and we immediately pulled the release down and we got uh, a notice put up so that everybody that was using that release could could uh, be made aware of it and then back to a new release that's, that's stable again. Uh, but other than that, we've never really had any major stumbles like that. Um, but when it comes to like the common misconfigurations that people go through, a lot of times it's from not doing the proper research maybe first or, or trying to use our community in the forum to maybe pre-guide them on a hardware selection. So we'll have people that'll use things like AMD GPUs and they'll try to do them with GPU pass-through in a VM. And that's very problematic. There's ways to sometimes work around those issues, but it's really a hardware-specific problem. It and we've contacted AMD about it and we've not really gotten very far with that. So, so if you're going to do GPU pass-through, you recommend NVIDIA then? 100%. 100%. And, and if you're going to do gaming in a VM in general, I would recommend Intel still over AMD. Um, it's not to say that AMD doesn't work, but like we were talking earlier about Threadripper, and, and Eric has a Threadripper 2 build. And I mean, it's great uh, for everything that it does do well uh, as a server, but as for gaming VMs, the performance is not where it should be. And, uh, and so it's, it's okay. You can skirt by on it, but if you spent a lot of money on a graphics card and you got the performance that you're going to see in that setup, you would not be happy. But on Intel, it's, I mean, that's what I'm using is the 9900 K and it's phenomenal. It's bare. I mean, it's close to close as bare metal as you can get. Okay. So stick, stick with reliable stuff. And then when it comes to storage controllers, I heard you say Rosebowl and I'm not, I'm not going to knock on you too hard about it, but I'll tell you, if you can go with a quality brand, storage controller like an lsi controller i i do think those are are worth the investment um but and then the onboard controllers on most motherboards are also very good like there's well, no Rosewell reason is just my case those. that's just the chassis oh i thought you said you had bought an hba like a, a rosewell hba 
No, 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 no. Oh, that's just uh, the chassis. Okay, that's mind. just the chassis. And then I actually don't know the brand. I have six onboard SATA ports, and then I do have a PCIe, uh, you know, SATA card. I don't know a brand though. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably actually it probably worse than Rosewood, whatever you're saying, because it was cheap on Amazon. So, yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm with you, Mike. You know, I got that old Athlon and uh, whatever else, and my controllers because I, you know, at 1830, how many drives I said I have? Um, definitely the motherboard doesn't have enough space for that. So, I'm probably using crappy controllers also. Yeah, me too. So, and I've been taking some notes as you talk, John. <laughs> They're, the controllers <laughs> right now, prices on controllers, I was just looking, they're not, they have really come down for yeah. some oh, yeah. really good controllers. And uh, and so that if you're in that market, you with both of you might be yeah. um, here after the show, that may be something you can get. Uh, LSI controllers are, 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 are fairly reasonable uh, now. And you can get a lot of enterprise stock that's coming off in a rotation. And for most home users, that's good enough. Um, for what you're doing. You don't necessarily need, some of you need top of the line. I get it. I totally get it. Um, uh, do you have a particular uh, controller card that you like, John, that, that uh, works well? Well, I, I'm a little partial to the rocket rate controllers, but those are crazy. I mean, they're, they support a ridiculous number of drives. And so if you have a very dense storage need, I think those are really great. Those are made by high point, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I guess for the more consumer stuff, I mean, it depends on what you're doing with the server. If you're if you're just doing it as a pure NAS system, a lot of the the standard HBAs that you can get out there, either Marvel or whatever, are fine. Uh, but if you're doing anything with virtualization, this becomes more problematic. Like with the Mar, it's weird with the Marvel controllers. You turn VTD on in the BIOS, and they wouldn't work right. Yeah. And it's it's just it doesn't make any sense. Like they shouldn't that shouldn't have a problem, but for some reason it's a conflict. So you know, and that might be resolved now on the newer controllers. I, I don't know. I just stay away from that brand for right now. But and also, if you're going to do anything with VMs, generally speaking, I would say stay away from Gigabyte. I had a lot of problems with Gigabyte for a while, but I will say the new system I just built is a Gigabyte board because I heard it has the best VRMs for overclocking. So we'll see. I'll, I'll check back with me in about three months, and I'll tell my, you. My board's an old school it. Gigabyte board. Okay, uh, it's been working Mine really too. well. Uh, Stanley out in chat says an LSI twenty three oh eight. Think, thinks that's pretty, yeah, I think anything LSI is is pretty good. So um, real quick though, for the people who are maybe for the so this happened to me, right? I, this is the first time I hadn't been using a pre-built NAS. Uh, I had built my own Unraid server. I ran out of SATA ports on the motherboard. What mm -hmm. am I looking for in terms of a card? I know we we were using a lot of terminology here, but RAID versus all of these options. What if I literally just need a PCI e card that's going to give me more expansion? What am I looking for? You're, you're looking for a standard HBA, a standard okay. SATA HBA. You do not want a RAID controller. So so what ends up happening is people go and they look for these different storage controllers that have a lot of ports. And what generally happens is the cards that have a lot of ports are RAID controller cards. Right, yeah. So what you can do is if you get one of these cards, depending on the make model, you should be able to flash the firmware into what's called IT mode so that it can present it as a standard HBA. So instead of RAIDing each of the drives, it'll just present each drive as its own device, just like a normal HBA would. So that's fine. I mean, if you can do that, if you can find those cards and find that firmware, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, you, you end up having to resort to one of two things. Either A, if you only want to add a couple of drives, there are SATA controller cards that you can get that'll add two to, I think, four, maybe even six ports per card, which isn't a ton, but it might be enough for depending on what your needs are. Yeah. Um, the other way to go is to buy a bigger, more badass motherboard. <laughs> You know, get yeah, something right. like we we used to make a server called the AVS 104, and that was used a super micro board that had 14 onboard SATA ports. 
built wow. into the motherboard. And it worked out great because the, the chassis we put it in had exactly 14 storage bays, you know, 10 for HDDs and four for SSDs. So, um, you know, something like that. I like using stuff that's built in. I don't like add-on cards generally if I can avoid them, but if I have to use them, I'll use them. Yeah, I think I, I just actually found one I was using. <laughs> it's a IO Crest 4 port, just like you were talking. It just got me through, though. All I needed to do was add four more uh, PCIe uh, con- controllers. Oh, but it worked for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, worked pretty yeah. well. If it, if it works, sometimes... Then again, know, on those lucky. array ones, I, I didn't need super fast speed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just looking to mainly just get those drives attached and have the storage. It's really me as the only heavy user in this house, and I'm usually hitting the cache anyway if I'm writing a lot of data. Mm-hmm. So I, I was more concerned about getting the cards, getting the uh, drives attached than speed. And for the price, actually, those weren't too bad. I think it was, you know, about you know, nineteen, eighteen bucks for for four extra slots, and that was worth yeah. it. Yeah, good. That's, that's the way you can do it, John. We kept you over what we what we promised. I would keep you. So, but we do want to say thanks for coming out tonight and being a part of what we do here. Um, I appreciate your time, and you give us uh, you know an hour and a half of your your time in a busy schedule to come. Oh, for sure. Talk about this. You can see like we're probably a good representation of your community in a lot of ways, right? Oh, as for we, sure. As we talk about these and it. A lot of fun uh, to everybody who came out tonight to join us live uh, in the chat room. Thanks for jumping in there. I It's really hard for me to get through a podcast like this. I am itching all of a sudden. Now I'm like, huh, maybe I will build it. We finally server. got you, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I think we got him. I think we got him, Howard. Come on oh, over to the dark man. side. It's yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jim. I have never, it's never been a, a matter for me. It's never been a matter of, of good or bad. It's just time and, and materials and equipment. Yeah. And I have been kind of an average guy, um, NAS guy. So I've gone with Drobo. I, I went with Drobo. I had my son work there for a while. And so, you Ooh. know, kind of, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You can say it. In the chat, the, the joke has always been, because they're so expensive. The the chat has, has always been dollar signs in the chat room. That, is, <laughs> mm-hmm. that has been a joke I'm in our funny. community for, I don't know, six or seven years. Um. But it is fun to sit in here, and, and it was even more fun to see Mike Weger catch after 10 years. Mike Howard, I've known you for a decade now, Yes, which is just crazy. Um, to see Mike Weger come on just six months ago and go, hey, have you heard this thing called Unraid? Uh, as much as we've talked about it in the community and as much experience we have, there's a bunch of, in the chat room, there's a bunch of uh, card descriptions and motherboards that are being listed out there. If of what these guys are using. Um, and uh, and it's a pretty cool community. I think we also mirror, John, your probably community from a niceness perspective. I keep hearing great things about how helpful and how nice and how um, just genuine the community is um, there. And our community is as well. So that's, it's a pretty, it's probably why that works that way. So John, thanks for taking some time tonight to be on the program. I appreciate it. No yeah, problem. Really glad to be here. Thank, yeah, well, thank you, John. Yeah, we'll have to, John, yeah. we'll have to find another excuse to get you back. You're a pretty good podcaster. So thanks. For, <laughs> awesome. Thanks for taking the time. Next Maybe big release if you want to, you know, talk about it. There you yeah, go. Come back. Yeah, let me know. If you guys ever get in a situation <laughs> where you want to come on and, uh, and, and chat a little bit about some things that are forward facing or you want to get some announcements out or you want to talk about it, we'd love to have you back on. So don't, don't hesitate to, uh, to contact me and say, hey, we've got something we want to say. 
we're really good at that. So, if oh yeah, for sure. I think when we have uh, we have some maybe some demos to show, uh, yeah, that would be a good be thing great. to do too. We could do a screen oh, share and, and give you guys right. some demos. So there's there's some, I can give you tell you this. There yeah. are some really big things we've planned out for this year, and I'm really excited to show them off. But yeah, they're still awesome. they're still cooking. So no, uh, I gotta, take I gotta make, keep you in suspense for a little bit. But yeah, take, for sure, take your time. We want you guys to be ready, and and so take your time, Mike. I think it'd be totally fun too from for our community members if you're listening to this show and and if you're setting up an unraid server for the first time or if you have one. Let's do another one of those where you go to the Facebook group and you post, uh, you know, about your your unraid setup, right? We did we did server racks a while ago. Show us your rack, um, and now let's do you know show us your show us your unraid box. Or if you're show getting started with it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't me, you know. Wow. <laughs> it was even the title That's of the great. show. I like it. Show, you know, I like yeah, it. So, so or, now, if you're thinking about, it, I'd love to see your guys' new setups, especially if this is the first time you've even considered unraid. That'd be really cool. And you could could tell us that too. So, Mike, let's let's say let's let's send them over to Discord. As oh to yeah. Let's, let's now that use we're doing the Discord that. now that it's up and running. There so we go. if you go to theaverageguy.tv slash Discord, you can join us. And I think we're 40 or 50 there now. Who Many are making it over. That'd be a we're great environment. In there. fact, Mike, why don't you jump in the Discord group and create an Unraid uh, we'll channel? Do that right now. All and, right. Uh, and we'll get that done. Head over to the Discord server. Again, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. You can join us right now if you want in your live show. And a uh, pretty open group. Really nice. Uh, we don't we don't tolerate uh, crap, so get in there. Don't don't, don't spam us in there, and uh, we would love to have you in there. And, and I just saw the unraid pop up, so Mike, thanks for doing that. John, we've got some post show stuff to do, but we're not going to make you stay around for that. Thanks for taking the time tonight, and uh, not a problem, guys. Jumping in. Appreciate that. Let us know when you're ready to jump back on, and we'll have you back on. Will do. Thanks so much, guys. It was great yep. seeing you. All yeah, right, thanks, John. John. Take care. All great right, meeting right. you. Take care. We'll see it. Pretty great. Yeah, I am. I am upset that Mark didn't make it tonight. Oh, Mark Robson. He's you know he and I have been the unraid guys here in the show for a while. I know. I can't but, believe he missed it. How cool that the developers, people like John, match the community, match the whole entire yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Right. No, I, I mean, we, we could have, yeah. we could have nerded out with him. I was like, Oh man, like where'd that time go? I was ready for like 10 more quick tips. I, I wanted, know. let's get in here. Diagnose my unraid server. What am I doing wrong here? Let's look <laughs> yeah, at you it. Remote my, in and- <laughs> yeah. Can you just remote in and then really vamp this up a little bit? That'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. We only got the one tip. Mike and I both made a change because of that. I mean, yeah. Let's go down the whole list. Right. I yeah. Know. We're, I know there's more. Well, hopefully we'll get him back on and, yeah. uh, and it's pretty great. I, it's one of those, you know, there's, there's some nights when I think about the podcast thing that I do, and we've done 394 of these. And I think, you know, are we done? And then I have a night like tonight when I realize you get you get the community in here, you get a company like Unraid who is open and transparent, and they got nothing to hide, and they're, you know, it, it, they're it's just great. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what this is all about. This is why I do every Thursday night I jump on, and this is why we do what we do. And it just mm-hmm. kind of... It renews my faith in podcasting to be like, God, this is so awesome. And this is why we, this is why podcasting exists. So, I got to say, Jim, after 10 years of talking about this, I never saw this day coming. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought there's no, no way, but then Mark gave me hope. And then Mike gave me even more hope that, you know, maybe we'll get something on this show. Cause I know Dave would never have it on the other show. Yeah. And you know, for me back in the days, uh, I love Windows Home Server. It was a great, great thing. What convinced me to come off of it was, you know, back when I was making, uh, you know, ripping movies, uh, you know, on Windows Home Server, that old one, it would double the file because that's how it gave you protection. It was double the file. And it was chewing through my storage so much. So I went over to Unraid because it had a different way to protect you. Um, 
and it was slower. It is slower. You know, I remember PC Doc and some of those other guys posting their their speeds. And they were they were 112 megabit a second. And they were trying to push that to see if they can get 113, maybe 114. That meant a lot to them. And um, I just wasn't. That didn't matter to me. If I got 100, and, if I got 98 or 100, I'm fine. I don't need to get that extra 112 or something like that. So I knew Unraid. You know, you can get. You can nearly saturate your your bandwidth, your uh, one gig bandwidth, uh, right into the cache. Oh, I do every yeah. time. I saturate one hundred percent. So I'm not overly concerned of not getting you know even more speed than that. So I I never thought of Unraid as a speed demon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that's you, if you don't need the speed demon and, and trying to eat inch out every act, you know megabit, um, you know it it definitely has a, a place. Yeah. Well, they threw some hardware in the in the. Uh, in the chat and I started looking, it's like, I got to stop doing this. Yeah. I, I have been looking my next build. I've got the power supply. I just ordered a one terabyte SSD drive. Um, I got to get some, I, I need to pick a board and some memory in a chip, <clears throat> but it's going to be a, it's going to be a SATA loaded hard drive. I mean, I'm just, that's the, just going to go with something I can, I can just load. I don't want, I don't know if I want to mess with cards as much mm-hmm. um, for what I do. I know my friend, the explorographer, AD, his name is AD out in chat. What he does is a storage, it runs a Windows VM also. And so he does um, a lot of videos and 4K stuff like that. And he would edit the video on his, you know, his desktop. And then the encoding of it, he sends over to his VM on Unraid and lets it do all the encoding. That's going to take it a, a while. Uh, and has a 10, I think a 1060 NVIDIA card over there that helps out with that. Yeah. Uh, and like I think John was talking tonight, he's coming from a, a Unraid computer, uh, the VM, the Windows VM inside yeah. of that. Yeah, that's no. it. Yeah, you can use these. I mean, uh, the the yeah, the encoding server, all that stuff. Great use case for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's super cool, Mike. I'm glad, Mike Howard. I'm glad we could finally have a show. Tony Rayner, thank you for making the connection to Unraid. Yeah. I, I probably not would. I, I probably would not have done that myself. Do you if Tony know, had made it happen. Do you know how upset Mike Howard would be <laughs> if I tuned in and saw a discussion about Unraid? Yeah, that on. would have been a huge you would have killed me, Mike. You, you I might have finally have drove me. out to Omaha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we could have finally gotten you out here. There we go. And maybe get a Waffle House out here at the same time. But, no, you yeah. would never get a Waffle House. Ever. <laughs> well, but a top quality cigar for so sure you would have. You're you know. saying there's a chance then. Right, I, I'm not. I'm saying, there's saying, a chance? I'm saying that because you had me on tonight, there is a chance. If there you had, there was never a chance in Omaha. All right, all right. I'm just telling you, if there was a Waffle House in Omaha, we would crush it. I mean, it I know you would. I know be you the would. most profitable waffle, right, Mike? Don't you think yeah. most profitable in all of America? Uh, you got a pretty good shot here. Yeah, I know. I know. We love to eat out. This Unfortunately, is... I have very little influence on where no, we I go. Don't. I know. I know you do. Well, but thank you to Tony for, for yeah. For, thanks Tony yeah. for doing that. John, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, and really to this community, pretty great. This is kind of why I got into podcasting in the first place. And, uh, and so it's just super fun to, to have an interview like that and to get some, get some cool stuff going. So um, we will, if you're listening live, um, we'll, we'll do a little crypto in the post show. Mike Howard, you don't have to stay around for that if you don't want to. Uh, we'll do a little crypto in the post show. We got a whole bunch of folks from the crypto space that came over tonight for whatever reason. So we'll spend a little time talking crypto. I'm um, in the post show. Just a couple of reminders that, by the way, Mike Weger, nice to have you back tonight. It was good. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. No, I great. missed it. I like I missed it last Thursday. We missed like, you. I might be able to hop on. I don't know. Guys, no. can I go in the arena? No. Nah, you're, you did the right thing. You, <laughs> you you look like you're enjoying yourself. So. We had a blast. Yeah. Absolute blast. You did the right thing. That was, that was super. And the best year to be in, you were in Colorado, right? Skiing? No, we were in Wyoming. Oh. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, still. Ooh, still awesome. Yeah. yeah. But great, great year to be out skiing. A couple of reminders. If you're a regular supporter of the show, a regular listener to the show, if you want to support us on Patreon, you could do that. We have one in $5 plans. No pressure if you, if you want to do that or not. TheAverageGuy.tv slash support, or I think TheAverageGuy.tv slash Patreon gets you out there. If you want to join that group, don't forget the Discord group. We mentioned earlier, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord will get you there. I think I got that link finally right where it doesn't expire. And so you can jump in there. In fact, I've seen a few of you jump in tonight. So we appreciate you doing that. And and uh, if you want to start some discussions in there, we only say keep it civil. That's kind of in our groups. If you, if you, if you go off the rails, I'm going to throw you out. I'll just be honest. I don't tolerate a lot. I don't think it'll be that way because this is the best group in the world. But just remember, we're all civil to each other. You can contact the show. Send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Find me on Twitter at jcollison. Um, and don't forget to join the Facebook group. Mike mentioned it earlier, facebook.com slash groups slash guy. But I'll be honest, with all the trouble Facebook is having, let's just move things over to Discord slowly but surely. Yeah, okay. I would totally I'm, agree. I'm okay with that, by the way. And uh, if we if we want to head over what we did in Facebook and head it over into um, Discord, I would be perfectly fine with that. Don't forget the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, and media hosting, powered by super fast servers over there at Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. We just had Christian on Cyber Frontiers fifty four. He was at the RSA twenty nineteen conference. He had two sessions that he covered, and it took a whole hour. Like the, the dude is amazing. So if you haven't uh, resubscribe to 54 or resubscribe to Cyber Frontiers. You can do that and you should do that right now. Get over there and get uh, resubscribed to it, listen to it. That, guy, that kid is the smartest kid in the world. I am not going to lie. <laughs> it's pretty, fr- I just sat there and he just talked. It was pretty amazing. So um, get over there, Cyber Frontiers 54. But if you need hosting, he's got plans for 10 bucks, as little as 10 bucks. MapleGrovePartners.com. Then don't forget about our app. Best way to listen on the road. Uh, Spreaker's uh, hosts it, but uh, you guys sponsor it through pa- our Patreon subscribers, so we appreciate it. We are live every Thursday. Oh, by the way, hold on before we go. I guess I just got to show this. You know, remember that Pampered Chef Hello Fresh thing that we did? I was one. I, I knew we couldn't get out. No, you know, I can't get no out way. of here without. No, no. You have to watch the video. You have to come no, back. For what the is video. that? Is that a wine tumbler? This is a wine tumbler that we got as part of the hostess gift for hosting that Pampered Chef thing. Now I can get on board with the wine tumbler. That Dude. sounds pretty nice. Dude, yeah, this. The best podcasting wine tumbler keeps it the optimum temperature while you're podcasting. And you got the quiet when you set it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got that little pad on the bottom there. Super quiet when you put that. Oh, it's super awesome. So thanks to everybody who did the Pampered Chef stuff with us. And uh, if you haven't, if you haven't tried HelloFresh yet, life changing, at least for me, anyways, we had it tonight. Um, It's regularly becoming a Thursday night. Sarah doesn't work Thursday, so she has dinner ready. I always come home late. We race to get to the podcast. And so, if you need a coupon to get some stuff free, get it done. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. I want to appreciate you for coming out and listening tonight. We'll do a little post-show crypto, so stay around for that. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.